of some sort or another. For example, many of us are followers of rugby league. We love to watch rugby league. If we could watch it every day, we would. Well, for some others, we love to follow political leaders and social commentators because they can give us a vision for human flourishing that we can follow. For others, we love to simply sit back and listen to celebrities or watch YouTube videos with YouTube stars and watch them go traveling overseas, eating and dining out, organizing their perfect homes and desire to follow them in these spaces. Whatever magazine we purchase, whatever group we attend, whatever we do with our spare time, at the end of the day, we are all followers. And while we are all influenced by many things, for the Christian, we too are followers. And we follow someone known as Jesus Christ. We believe that he is the resurrected Lord of the universe. We order our entire lives around his way of hope, faith, and love because we see that he is perfect. And this is really discipleship. We as Christians are called to be close to Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. We're called to be people who shape our lifestyles, our values, our agendas, our loves around him and his mission to save the world from its curse, the curse of sin. We're called to be little Christs, little replicas of Jesus, finding our identity in him and following his example. And this is really the theme for today's talk, following the example of Jesus. And our core verse is John chapter 13, verse 15. Let me read the words of Christ our Lord. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I'd like to stop and ask a question about this verse. What is an example? Well, the word example here means a model of behavior. In this verse, Jesus is telling his disciples that he is their model for conduct. The call of Jesus' disciples is to mimic his way, to emulate his truth, to replicate his life. The call of a disciple is to walk in the patterns of Jesus. We see this illustrated further in 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 21. Peter says, "To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps." We are called to follow the steps of Jesus, to follow his way. But for the sake of clarity, I'd like to dive a little deeper into our core verse. The example of Jesus is not something just anyone can copy. The example of Jesus is something given to his disciples. And I want to stress that word given. Jesus said, I have given you an example. The idea is that Jesus gives his disciples an object. This is no ordinary object. It is an item of incredible value. Jesus offered his disciples a precious blueprint for life. He gave them a clear image of his way. He offered them a perfect example to follow. 
but like all things given, the disciples needed to receive this example, this gift that Jesus had given them that was worth much. But how do we receive this gift of Jesus' example? How do we get it? How do we get this gift? Well, following the example of Jesus starts with faith. In the context of John 13, Jesus said, I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done for you. The words that you also should do are in reference to the future. The reality is that the disciples of Jesus will not imitate his example until they have faith in two things, his identity and his purpose. First, the disciples need to have faith in Jesus' identity as God in the flesh. Look at John 13, 18 to 20 with me. It reads, Jesus said, I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. In this passage, Jesus informs his disciples about Judas coming, his coming betrayal. The goal of this prophecy was to help the disciples to see, after the betrayal of Jesus, that he was not a mere victim of an unjust crime. The disciples understand that Jesus is I am he. I am he, as we learned the other week, is the name of God. Jesus is declaring that he is God incarnate. The identity of Jesus is God come in the flesh. Okay, Jesus is God in the flesh. But what is the purpose of this incarnation? Why did Jesus come in the flesh? Why did the disciples have to have faith in this? Well, second, the disciples needed to have faith in Jesus' purpose to die to save us from the curse of sin. That is why Jesus, God came in the flesh in Jesus. John 8, 28 says, Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, which is referring to his death on the cross to crush the curse of sin, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. When Jesus was lifted high on the cross, the disciples would understand, would understand that God became flesh. I am he became flesh to bring salvation to sinners. They would realize that Jesus became the ultimate blood sacrifice for their sin. As they saw their Lord lifted high upon the cross, they would understand that God's blood is the only way to satisfy God's holy wrath. God the Son needed to die to appease God the Father. No other sacrifice was sufficient to break the curse of sin. The death of Jesus was essential. Seeing God the Son hanging on the cross 
the disciples would at last feel the weight of their sin, their sheer hopelessness apart from Christ, and the desperate need that they had for a saviour. And by turning to him in faith, they finally experienced immeasurable relief. By faith in the identity and work of Christ, they received the blessed gift of salvation, the freedom from the curse of sin. But more than this, they received a brand new identity in Christ. An identity that called them to deny themselves, to take up their cross each day, to follow Jesus. The disciples received their brand new identity in Christ. And so following the example of Jesus starts with faith. And that faith is in Jesus, who is God incarnate, who died to save us from the curse of sin. And so I want to ask you a question here before we move on. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that God became flesh in Jesus and that God died on the cross for your sin? To liberate you from the, its curse, which is death. To give you freedom so that you can indeed live a holy life for God. The answer to this question is fundamental. It has the power to change the course of your eternity. We either surrender our egos, our affections, our whole life to Jesus and sing, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wake me, make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Or we can say, Jesus, I do not need your blood. I do not need to be pardoned. I'll find my own hope and peace. I'll be made whole on my own terms. Thank you, but no thank you. I'm following someone else, another thing entirely. Friends, there are ultimately two ways to live. To glory in the blood of Christ and to follow his way. Or to reject his free offer of salvation and to live for something inferior. For the sake of our souls, let us turn to Christ, the life giver, and receive his superior example. A great gift it is. And so following the example of Jesus starts with faith. Faith that he is God in the flesh who died on the cross for our sin. And this brings us to the next point. We receive the gift by faith in Jesus. And receiving the example of Jesus always leads to action. It always does. The gospel is not a message that declares, come as you are, which it does, and stay as you are. It doesn't say that. That is a heresy called antinomianism. An antinomian is a person who believes a gospel without sacrifice, without self-denial, without suffering. A gospel that rejects the walking in the newness of Jesus' resurrected life. J.C. Ryle says this, Antinomians are people who boast of having saving interest in Christ.'" 
and say they are pardoned and forgiven, while at the same time live in willful sin and open breach of God's commandments. I dare say that such people are miserably deceived. Friends, when we turn to Christ by faith, we are called to instead live a brand new life, to live in light of God's good commandments, which help us to choose life. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 to 4 says, Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Romans chapter 6, verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. The idea is that real faith always leads to real action. On the flip side, if we declare, I believe in Jesus, yet continue to live an unchanged life, we are probably living a bogus, phony, unbiblical Christianity, a gospel of our own design. The truth is that faith alone is never alone. Martin Luther said this, We are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. John Calvin, It is faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies can never be alone. Faith alone is never alone. When we turn to Christ for life, our identity is no longer rooted in the inner self and governed by its sinful passions. Our identity is now rooted in Jesus and his new way of self-denial, his new way of obedience that comes from faith, as Paul the Apostle teaches in Romans. But what does this look like? What does it look like to live this new life? Well, Jesus' example looks like washing dirty feet. That is the example Jesus gives us. Let's look back at our core verse. Jesus said, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And in the context of John 13, this example was the washing of his disciples' feet. Let me read this passage, John 13, 1 to 5. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God, so that he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel round his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped round him. The act of Jesus was marked by a radical humility. Jesus, the highly regarded leader of the disciples, lowered himself 
to perform the task of the lowliest servant. Peers did not wash each other's feet unless it was an act of absolute devotion and love. And here Jesus, God in the flesh, is washing the dirty, smelly, grotty, crap, cracked up feet of his disciples. He even used the towel that was wrapped around his naked body to dry their feet. In incredible weakness, as he looked forward to his betrayal and death on the cross for sin, Jesus gave his disciples a glorious example of Christian service. Okay, foot washing is his example for us. But what does it look like for us to live out his example in the everyday? Well, simply put, it means loving as Jesus loved, serving as Jesus served, and living as Jesus lived. In other words, following the example of Jesus means opening your home to someone suffering from domestic violence, feeding them, clothing them, and healing their wounds. Following the example of Jesus means welcoming a newcomer at worship, sitting with them, and helping them to understand the liturgy of our church. Following the example of Jesus means organizing your life groups to set aside a few hours to clean out the gutters of the elderly in your community, your street. The example of Jesus means welcoming immigrants into our community, ensuring that they have warmth, fellowship, and prayer. The example of Jesus means forgiving those who committed an abhorrent act of injustice against yourself or someone you love dearly. The example of Jesus means inviting someone over for dinner who is completely different from you, from a different social demographic altogether, and cracking open that special bottle of fine-aged wine to share with them. Because you see it as a special occasion. The example of Jesus means coming alongside a few people to open up the word of life and to teach them the way of Jesus. Following the example of Jesus means creating space in our church community to reach out and welcome the emerging generation, giving them a place to serve. Following the example of Jesus means writing a note of encouragement to a person who is just down, suffering from constant anxiety, fear, and insecurity. Following the example of Jesus means preaching the gospel to the nations, calling people to repent because the Lord could come at any moment to bring about his brand new world. And faith is necessary to get there. Friends, followers of Jesus follow his way. It is simple. Followers follow but please know that while the message is simple, it is not easy. Following the example of Jesus requires continual everyday commitment that is shaped by his self-denial, his sufferings. We are called to live into that way of self-denial, to carry our cross like Jesus, imitating his way, his example. 
I appreciate the challenging words of John MacArthur. Let me close with them. He says, Christ does not call disciples to himself to make their lives easy and prosperous, but to make them holy and productive. Willingness to take up his cross is the mark of the true disciple. Let us then, brothers and sisters, follow the example of Christ each day. Amen.
teaching and want to learn more about living as a disciple of Jesus, please visit www.sconeanglican.church.